better or worse, the relationship between science, film, and media has long been intertwined. We're here to dissect that relationship, turning it inside out for all to see. And throughout the years, one truth has revealed itself. You don't need good science to make a good movie. But it sure makes it better. Hi everyone and welcome to the Real Science Podcast, the podcast where three highly qualified professionals pick a movie and then pick apart the science. My name's Kenan Smith. My name is Sean Crossan. I'm Michael Pace. Hi. <laughs> hey Kenan. So normally <laughs> Pace and I just sort of sit back and, and let you take control of the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> Why are you laughing uncontrollably? Fine, keep going. <laughs> so I figured this time. We would we could talk about what we did this past week. Oh, and thank why, you. Why we're recording on a Tuesday? We'll talk about some of what we did this past week, not the whole mm, thing. Right. We were at a a scientific conference for what four days. Yes. You boys were busy. It was like a conference slash drinkathon. Oh my god. Yes, Ken- it was. Yeah, Kenan has this like weird. I don't know. <laughs> personality quirk where he'll wake up in the morning and mm-hmm. look like a bus completely ran him over mm-hmm. and then the next time i see him that day he just walks up to you with a beer he's like yeah. oh yeah good to go i'm in college again <laughs> i'm not 30 years old at all <laughs> <laughs> well so you know how i cultivate this uh additional like personality quirk of like uh finger guns uh 80s music and key point sunglasses all the time yes It's so I can hide hangovers in the future when I've gone to a scientific conference and my closest friends don't keep me from drinking. (laughs) Mm. That's the only reason that you keep up that aesthetic. It's just for that sole purpose. I am completely powerless to stop you from drinking. You know that, right? (laughs) You're also powerless to stop me from getting you to drink. (laughs) We we were, yeah, I have really, I really fold like a fucking house of cards to peer pressure. It's okay. Uh, The other person on this podcast does too. Yeah, but um, who who are you talking about? Here's a little (laughs) anecdote about Kenan. So we were at the bar at the hotel drinking. Yes. And it was 1 a.m. and they called last call for drinks. And I'm there with my boss and my lab mates and Kenan's hanging out. And all of a sudden, Kenan's gone and we're just talking. And he comes back with three different beers just holding (laughs) them all. (laughs) We're like, oh, Kenan, uh, thirsty? And he's like, yeah, I brought beers if anyone wants them. And nobody wanted them. So Kenan... No, that's not true. Tyler took one. Tyler took one. Yeah. So Tyler took one, and Kenan proceeded to just drink the other two just sort of in any random order. I believe it was like a stout and a Hefeweizen. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah I, went, I went back and forth on mm. them, like kind of like you do uh, like in elementary school when you get the big platters of food. You just kind of go around in a circuit and like eat each one. You know what I'm talking about? Like Kenan's you go french like, fries, then... You know when you have that one nasty kid in elementary school that's just like, <laughs> I'll mix all this shit together and just like see if I can make my classmates vomit? That's I sort of what Kenan do was that. doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah but except he, in this case, it's just beer, beer, and then more beer. Uh, and then, hey, here's another beer. It's yeah, Ken, Kenan kept saying, anyway. do you like seafood and opening his mouth? And just beer was pouring out everywhere. It was com- <laughs> it was completely crazy. <laughs> his, his mouth is a beer fountain. Mm-hmm. I did do it's that and then spent the day representing my very professional scientific company that I work for. <laughs> yeah, I guess we did a little bit of light science while we were there. <laughs> <laughs> 
It was good. Sean, was there any like particular science that you really enjoyed that you want to tell our listeners about? In brief, obviously, we, this isn't a science podcast, so. Um, I mean, the guy. So listen, I don't want to show up prepared, my dude. I don't want to just keep talking about bullshit, but the guy who did <laughs> gave his talk after me mm-hmm. seemed like a seemed like a very nice guy. I'm not gonna say his name because I don't remember it, but he. <laughs> looked like he was a robot designed for public speaking it was kind of crazy (laughs) like it it was like if you told someone like here is everything you have to do to be a good public speaker but it didn't actually like work out to really be that way he looked like he so he would be like turning and speaking and like looking up randomly at the audience but it was almost like animatronic like he looked like a disney small world (laughs) guy it was pretty crazy like if like if chuck e cheese were a public speaker yes yes he was like he was like (laughs) science man i don't know it was crazy (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure he scared all of the children away with his with his piercing uh unwavering eye contact it was pretty crazy for the entire time also looking perfect his hair looked perfect Mm, it was parted wasn't it i love that Almost, almost as if made of plastic. <laughs> you can't tell. <laughs> uh, but yeah, other than that, there was some good gene therapy science. But you yeah, know, there was did serious. you learn anything, Geddon? <laughs> I did. I learned. Uh, uh, so this isn't going to be exciting for anyone on this podcast, except, except I guess me. my my co-hosts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we learned that the uh, the virus that Sean and I work on might have a uh, might have a new gene in it. Might have a oh new, yeah, a new I region. forgot about that already. Right. It was really, it was really cool shit. Because it's only been a few days, Sean. This is like actually, this might be good because it'll put some shit in perspective for listeners. Uh, so this virus has been studied since 1965, and someone at this conference was like, "Hey, we think we found a new protein that this virus makes." Yeah, which it's is casual. It seems like people are probably sitting there going, "Like, do I get excited about this? Is this like cool? Is this not cool?" It this is thing, cool. It's cool. This this virus only makes like. It has a very small amount of DNA, so every time virus. you find a new thing it makes, it's like, how the shit is it but doing all of this from this tiny Didn't they have it sequenced already? Yeah, but it's an alternate it reading is. frame. It is. And it's a non-canonical start codon, so I'm not going to keep saying that because people are going to look at me like I'm crazy now. That's what fair. are you talking about, Sean? Well, I will say we could probably use it as a learning opportunity because one of the reasons that we keep finding new things here is because viruses use something called genetic economy. Uh, wherein they use a really, really small DNA sequence when applicable, and they pack a whole bunch of different functions for that DNA sequence into it. And what Sean is talking about is, like, if you read a DNA sequence in one way, uh, you can get, like, you know, the proteins that we're used to out of this. But basically, they found a new area where you could start coding for a protein, and it turns out it actually does make a protein. And they just found it by, actually, by machine learning, I think, if I remember correctly. I think so. It's fucking wild. Okay. Which I don't know what okay. that is, but yeah. uh, and just to be clear, the, the the genetic economy is is not the thing wherever I trade in, you know, like my my good genes for mm-hmm. like a, a a strong a strong like a strong jawline mm-hmm. in exchange for I don't know like two buttholes or something mm-hmm. or three buttholes because I would <laughs> like to be able to shit. That's a fucked up gene, man. You got a bad gene one base. I don't know why you would want that. Well, because I feel like it's got to be. I feel like it opens up a lot of opportunities, you know, for like, you know, a lot of different like biological ventures that you could go on. You, know, you want you, you want had... more efficient dumping, is what you're after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely do. In a lot of movies, 
we see radioactive animals or people that have, <laughs> that have extra limbs, but never have we seen the double butthole yet. The double butthole <laughs> is is the it's definitely like lesser known, uh, but I'm pretty sure that the uh, that like the genetic sequence required is is pretty. There's a few papers on it. I'm pretty sure that just, like this is the they 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 they, they call it the D, the DBH gene, the double butthole. Could you imagine um, in annihilation where basically everything they run into, they're just like, wow, it looks totally normal, but it's not. It has two buttholes. It has <laughs> like, two buttholes. <laughs> but it's the only thing strange about this creature has been exposed to radiation. Does that it's just, it have... just has two buttholes? I mean, what you're describing is not that wild in the animal kingdom because things like sponges Coakas. have like a thousand buttholes. But they're not really buttholes. Yeah, they are. That's where poop comes out. Yeah, but it's also where shit goes in too. Like that's that's true. <laughs> like it's not a butthole. <laughs> like it's very true. It's a it's I, a porous it's a porous structure. Sea cucumbers also have two buttholes. So <laughs> you're saying the mouth and the butthole? You're just calling it two buttholes. <laughs> two holes. But they eat with I their mean, butts. All right, we have to talk about this stupid fucking. We movie. have to okay. talk about the movie that we did this week. This week we watched Elysium, uh, which is a we did. a film with with Matt Damon and other Matt actors Damon. and actresses. Oh such come as on, Jodie Foster. Yeah, Shalto uh, Copley is in it. You guys will remember him from District Nine as the man in District Nine. Dude, he's the man. Yes, the guy is who... he South African in that as well? Uh, he is, but in this, I don't think he plays a South African character. It's, he sounded more like he was Kiwi or Australian or something along those lines. But well, no, he says he says he says Boyki. He says Boyki, which ah. is um, which is uh, like a English slang of the Af- uh, Afrikaans, I believe, is the language. Oh, it's spoken uh, in like spoken in South Africa, but it has like influences of languages spoken in Zimbabwe and a couple other wow. uh, adjacent countries. Pace, what um, a fucking pull! I'm proud yeah. of you for that one. That was good. The Thank guy you. who plays Spider is the guy who plays Pablo Escobar in Narcos. Oh, interesting. Have you guys not seen Narcos? Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I haven't watched it yet, Sean. I apologize. Oh it's on my, my list. God. The rest of I'm the watching our, Queer our listeners just... I'm the only thing holding this show together. Our listeners would have just completely unsubscribed if well, they thought you two were so t- culturally out of touch. Narcos is as popular as you think it you're, is. But yeah, you're I welcome. Don't think so I don't think anybody's actually seen that show now that I think about it. Oh my God, Kenan, they're <laughs> clicking unsubscribe right now. Quick, take it back, take it no, back. I'm take sorry, it back. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> the other person okay. that we should point out too is that Alice Braga is also in this film. Uh, she is an extremely good act- actress and I very much enjoy her work. Uh, you guys will remember her as the only woman in I Am Legend. Uh, she right. is also yep, yep. in Repo Men, the Lost episode, uh, <laughs> and then she's also in Predators, which I don't know if anybody's seen, but it's a fun movie. Oh, she's in Predators. Yeah. Yeah. She's been in a lot of movies. Mm. We'll also, City to, of yeah. God, which is good. we have to stop referring to Repo Men as the Lost episode. <laughs> <It's coming laughs> but it out is next next episode. No, don't spoil it. Don't. Spoil oh, it. I no. feel that she plays the the same character in every film that she's in. Is that not the case? Mm, like, I think in Predators, she plays a badass. At least in, so. in I Am Legend, she was the same character. If by same character you mean only woman, then yes. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, if, if by same character you mean female lead, then yeah, you're yeah, correct. Because this basically was just I Am Legend with Jodie Foster. In I Am Legend, she was kind of like, she was isolated and she had this one, she had a, uh, one kid that she was very protective of, sure. right? And it was like, it was her entire her entire life was dedicated mm-hmm. to this kid. Okay, we cannot talk about this Thank anymore. you, I appreciate it. I can't believe I'm um, saying this, but we can't get distracted. The other thing that I wanted We're to gonna say- We're going to talk about the science. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to say is that this movie uh, is also directed by Neil, uh, I believe I am saying his name correctly. DeGrasse Tyson. Uh, Blomkamp, uh, who also directed Drist- uh, District 9, hence the casting of uh, Charlotte Copley. Gotcha, so. gotcha. 
Yes. Oh. Cool. That was it. But uh, real quick, before we get started, we normally do disclaimers. Uh, pace. Yep. Do you think maybe you could take us through a couple of those disclaimers? Yes. Um, these disclaimers include the fact that we are three highly intelligent and highly sophisticated gentlemen sure. um, that are going to talk about some really just, really just very superfluous terms about science mm-hmm. um, and uh, going to sound very smart while doing it. So it could be a little, get, little bit technical up in, up in her. And then after that, and during it, we're going to be doing a little bit of cursing and with some crude language like, um, like cheese nips and, and, and buttholes and uh, things like that that you're going to want to put the, uh, the kids to bed for. It's not something they should really witness um, if you want to preserve their, uh, their innocence. So uh, with that in mind, enjoy our episode. Yeah, and uh, I might actually move this to, uh, I won't, but move this to the beginning of the episode before we talk about buttholes for eight minutes. I think that's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kenan, do you think <laughs> some people would find that distasteful? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, the other thing that we do on this podcast is that uh, each week, uh, two people who are part of the podcast, or the co-hosts, if you will, uh, roll D20s to figure out who has to do the plot. And I am exempt this week, and I feel very good about that. I could tell yeah, you, you were just ready to fucking tell us that we needed to battle mm-hmm. this out. So you bastards roll right now. Okay. I'm ready. Are you ready, Pace? I'm ready. I already rolled. I got a seven. You... I also got a seven. Oh, <laughs> my God. I guess Kenneth has what's to do your, it. Wait, wait. What's your What's your dex modifier, Sean? What's your dex yeah, modifier? What's your no, dex? no, no. We got to re-roll. Sean's just low because he always plays a wizard. He is. It's true. Yeah, yeah. you don't it's want okay. my dex I, I mod. Do. Yeah. All right, let's do it again. Okay. That's a four. All right, I got a 13. Holy Ooh. shit. Um, Sean, throw that fucking dice in the garbage. No, but it's awesome yeah, for seriously. this. I That's keep it true. just for this. <laughs> it, yeah, I have, I have a really it. crappy die that I keep here too. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Um, so I'm going to go through this movie summary quickly because they're actually, funnily enough, with, with this movie, Elysium, there actually wasn't a whole lot of science that was explained in the film. There was just a lot of science that true. was shown and demonstrated. Um, but this film starts off, it is Earth. It's the year 2154, I believe. Uh, and the problem with Earth in 2154 is that it is overpopulated. It's overfarmed. It's disease-ridden. And as a result of this, uh, all of the humans on Earth are basically sick, poor, uh, just living in uh, just a complete dystopian environment. Uh, meanwhile, the 1%, the economic 1%, has built a space colony uh, just outside of Earth's atmosphere. But all, but I would assume that it actually orbits around Earth, probably. Uh, that, that it's that's in what Earth's, it looks like. like. Gra- yeah, it's in its gravitational pull, I think so. Yeah. Um, and basically, all of the rich people have gone to live on this space station called Elysium. And it's kind of like, think, take Beverly Hills and transport it into outer space with beautifully manicured lawns and champagne and lots and lots of white people with good hair. That's what Elysium is. I also (laughs) really wanted to hit on something that really pissed me off about this movie. Mm -hmm. And it's that everyone on Earth, the most pervasive language is Spanish. And everyone on Elysium, the most pervasive language is French. It's French. It's ridiculous. I remember like realizing that and being like, what the fuck? 
Well, to be fair, the like on Earth it is set in L.A., so like it kind of makes sense that Spanish is prevalent, but it's more prevalent than you would think it would be. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and it's so dumb that on that on Elysium, the the, the the French on Elysium is complete bullshit. It makes no sense. Um, but anyway, and and also, yeah, the, actually, the movie's it, it was kind of unnecessary to create that sort of like cultural dynamic. It, it was literally thrown in so that they could just be like. Look, these are poor people. Look, these are rich people. Yeah, when we got like we got it, like we get it. Yeah, they were like, like, "What's a fancy language?" Oh, French. Yeah, (laughs) French. It's the language of business. No, I mean French is in reality like no one wants to speak French. Okay, well I went another direction with that, but (laughs) you sound like a Elysium movie director face. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Don't you put this on Neil? I I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't dream. So, um, in this movie, we have our main character Matt Damon. He's a he's a blue collar worker living in L.A., having a hard time with things just trying to make it he's a criminal has a rough past um and so he basically his goal is to get to elysium he's tired of living on earth he wants to get to elysium um he uh, the story begins with him in his childhood where he had this love interest um who he kind of grew up with they're talking about all the animals that are extinct now the earth's in the shits in the in the shithole um and basically he grows up uh gets into some trouble with the law and is just trying to make you know Uh, make ends meet and be a good human. Uh, But of course, that doesn't work out for him because uh, he gets injured at the job that he works at. Um, He actually gets exposed to um, radiation and uh, only has five days to live as a result of this. To remedy this, uh, he basically turns back to his old ways of crime in order to get a ticket, or not a ticket, at least transport to Elysium. And this is important because on Elysium, they have the best medical technology in existence. Uh, It's basically just literally a magic pod that you sit in, and it cures all diseases. It's that simple. There's nothing else discussed regarding it. Uh, It's pretty bonkers. So uh, they basically, him and his kind of uh, brothers in crime, uh, basically develop a plan to get him to Elysium. And this involves equipping uh, him. This is Matt Damon we're talking about, our main character, with this exosuit. He becomes, like, super powerful and strong. They also basically merge his DNA uh, or change it so that he'll be recognized as a, an Elysium citizen. Um, yeah, they give him an Elysium-like driver's license in his arm. It's really... Yeah, pretty much. I guess we can talk about this later. It's just a very weird thing. Yeah, agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's weird. Um and so the, the way that they want to uh, get, get him to Elysium is they're actually going to capture uh, one of the um, Elysium citizens that sometimes they'll visit down to Earth. Uh, want to capture one of these Elysium citizens. And then I think it was kind of basically transfer uh, the cerebral code that's present in the Elysium citizen to Matt Damon? So they were basically saying that, yeah, Elysium city- citizens have, like, a neural implant in their brain. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. And they were basically saying that if you can hack into this guy's neural implant and download it into Matt Damon's, then he'll, you know, have whatever information that guy has stored in his memories. Right. Yes. Yes. And then the, the the squad that he was doing this with, they wanted that information. Right. And, so that they could sell it and make a bunch of money. And, and keeping um, keeping in mind that, like, in the way that the movie represents this is it's literally a file, a code file, that yep, is right, transferred right. into his brain and then transferred back out. Yes. A literal sequence of code. 
as you would yeah. that you would type up. They have these um, machine neural <clears throat> interfaces completely like, yes, melded. Yes. So yeah, but the special thing about this code is that. Uh, what they didn't know whenever they were about to capture this Elysium citizen was that this code actually contained an entire reboot sequence for the Elysium space station itself. Because there's kind of this whole political drama going on on Elysium uh, that they are that that this guy had written up in order to install a new president. Not really that important. The important thing is that Matt Damon now has this code inside his head, uh, which is worth a lot to the people of Elysium, uh, the government agents of Elysium, and so. The rest of the movie is basically uh, like a montage of uh, of Matt Damon getting to Elysium, um, and basically how this happens is um, he's basically being chased down by this kind of like rogue agent for um, for one of the uh, uh, one of the, the Elysium uh, uh, defense secretary or some position of that nature. That's, you that's what you're Jodie Foster. Yeah, Jodie Foster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her character. Um, and she's the one kind of leading this operation to displace the, the um, uh, president of, of Elysium. Um, and what basically happens is that uh, they realize that Matt Damon has this code in his head. He gets captured by this agent, and then they get taken up to Elysium, mm-hmm. where they're going to extract it from his brain so that, he did, so that they can reboot the system and install a new president. But in this entire process, um, Matt Damon realizes, uh, thanks to the help of his his buddy Spider, uh, his kind of like squad, that the code that he has in his brain could also be used to make everyone on Earth a citizen of Elysium, giving them access to medical care, uh, resources that they don't have on Earth, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, think of it as the proletariat going up against the uh, the bourgeoisie and um, making things equal. And so, um, bring down the system. Bring down the system. Burn it all. We got a real Matt Damon on our hands here. <laughs> uh, so other quotes from Matt Damon. Matt yes. Damon. Okay. Well, that's it's his most used quote, and his most well known quote is his own name. Yeah. Um, it's about as funny as Napoleon Dynamite. Still. <laughs> yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, uh-huh. It's not. It's not. Uh-huh. Not that funny. Sure, um, I can tell but you, you know, you guys, still, you guys still say my wife. So like, <laughs> that's my because wife. it's my wife. It's it's so fucking dumb. I didn't I never I stopped saying that for a decade until I met you guys. You're welcome. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, uh basically the movie ends where uh Matt Damon is able to use this code to make everyone a citizen. Citizen of Elysium, he dies in the process. Um but because of that, you know, a lot of people's health was saved and the world is fair now and yada yada. That's the end. Now that we've gone through the plot of this movie, we can talk about all that good saying. Yeah. Hell yeah. So I think one of the first things that we should talk about yes. is that, you know, we, we come in, it's Earth, 2154. It is. And things are shitty. Things look pretty rough. They're not that bad. Yeah, things are pretty shitty. Guys. They're pretty bad. Guys, come on. They're pretty bad. They uh, look pretty Matt, rough, Kenneth. Matt Damon's girlfriend has a TV. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then in his his toilet is in his, is in his living room. I mean, that's just like has... a New York apartment. I don't know what you're fucking saying. <laughs> well, they're in L.A. Everything's very spread out there. Clearly, things are bad yeah. now if he lives in a place like that. I would say that um, things are pretty shitty, but the condition of healthcare is probably the worst part of everything that's happening. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. People are sick. Um, people are dying left and right, which you think would help the overpopulation problem, but it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, and <laughs> that's a very good point, Pace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know. It's this is that's what I was thinking about the entire time of the movie, as I was thinking about how terrified I would be to live in a, in Earth as a state like this. Um, but uh, the thing about this Earth is that, I guess, I kind of mentioned it's, it's overpopulated, which is not surprising for the year twenty one fifty four. Like 
Earths are uh, humans are like rabbits in the way they're reproducing, which is which they're not very smart about. <laughs> it's also clear if you, like the aerial views of the Earth show there's not as much green, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's not. A, it's clearly like deforestation has taken its toll right. upon the Earth. It's overdeveloped in that they showed aerial shots of L.A. and it's literally just slums as far as the eye can see. Right, but like right? worse like they, than current L.A. We're, and that's pretty bad, right? Mm-hmm. Like LA is already pretty shitty. And then, <laughs> wow. like, probably have a couple <laughs> listeners that'll fight, fight back on that. But <laughs> well, the traffic's terrible, right? That is so, true. like, that's the major. The traffic of doesn't life look factor. any better, to be honest. No, it's about the same. Only this time, it's the traffic is just people in the streets mm-hmm. instead of cars. Um, and and so, I mean, I, what I was thinking, I was thinking about is, and I want to get your guys' input on is like, how accurate do you think that this portrayal of Earth, you know, 130 years from now? You know, do you think, obviously this is like, this is a harsh view of it. Sure. I think that it's a, but I think compared to a lot of the movies that we've watched, it's not that unrealistic if we make really shitty decisions. Sure. Leading up to that year. What do you guys think? Um, I on Okay. So one thing that I think is uh, unrealistic about this, considering the fact that it would be 130 years in the future, is that uh, it, it suffers from kind of the like Star Wars effect where the movie is made... Uh, and the future technology looks and acts like the technology of that era. So just how like everything in, in I said uh, did I say Star Wars not Star Trek good uh, in Star Wars <laughs> yeah. everything is like beige and has blinking lights all over it and like uh, all of these other things where like the technology looks much older. The thing that I found unrealistic is that like a lot of the things that even though it is a shitty time for all the people on earth the way that everything operates is almost exactly the same as how it operates now uh which did not right. make any sense to me i i agree with that uh, that's i definitely agree with that i'm i was more so thinking about the evolution of the problems that we face now and potentially face in the future yeah how sure. realistic that i agree the technology would be totally different i i think honestly um, like and i i say this <laughs> realizing that that's basically what we're doing but I think in order to get to the point where it is hundred, where it is in this movie, it requires us to completely ignore every problem. Uh, yep. And I think yep. if we were to do that, the Earth at that point, 130 years from now, would be far less inhabitable as it is portrayed in this movie. Right. Like, the, uh, the overpopulation seems, like, antagonistic with the actual environment that the people yeah. are living in. Right. Which, like, is kind of what Pace said, right? Like, why is there such a big overpopulation problem when everything looks like it's fucking, like, a post-apocalyptic scenario? Right. Like, generally, stuff is an apocalypse when people die, right? Like, I mean, if the Earth has, like, less greenery and there's massive environmental shifts, then you'd think there'd be a food shortage, which Mm -hmm. it looks like there is, but they don't really show anything like that in the movie, right? Like people waiting in line to get food or anything like it's, it's not the focus. Like I, I, the focus is obviously Matt Damon and his, and his quest here. But Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't really necessarily, uh, they, they just, they just show people. They just show people living out in the street and they don't really go into kind of their daily, their like, daily struggle in regard aside from just being sick i will say that like realistically speaking and you bring this point up that like a lot of things are going on here that are going on in other science uh science fiction movies where if you really comb through and this is part of what we do but if you really comb through the stuff that's not talked about almost every post-apocalyptic movie or like movie set in a dystopian future has like a lot of these same issues where true where, where like it takes 
the current paradigm of how everybody treat how everybody treats everyone and how everyone treats the environment and just shifts it forward a hundred years and says like this is if we did nothing yes or if things yes, got a but little we worse didn't listen yeah exactly exactly yeah, yeah. i mean the scaremongering can be use uh, the fearmongering can be useful though in in this instance i mean well, apparently I, I think that I think there are a lot. Well, no, obviously, no. The the movie is the is the source of the fear mongering. I mean, I think that fair. We don't need to make this a, a political episode, but it's it's more of just like I agree that they're they're making this like uh, a a picturesque view of what would happen mm-hmm. if we just ignored all the problems. I wanted right? to talk I, about. I oh, sorry, Pace. I mean, cut you off. No, no, go ahead. I was John. Just saying, I'm I wanted done. to talk about some. There was one aspect of the technology that I wanted to talk about. So they use these shuttles to fly mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all of these shuttles are capable of exiting earth's atmosphere and yep. going to yep. space. Yep. And I was, I'm always shocked when I see stuff like this in movies because like, like now, like we have devices that are designed to go to space and we have devices that are designed to fly on earth and they operate in very different manners. Oh yeah. And I always think it's really interesting when in like a futuristic movie, the shuttle can just like fly around the planet and also just fucking take off into space. Like it's completely different, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. and, and never like, and never mind that in this movie we have, uh, I think on one far end, there is a, uh, there is a, uh, an aircraft that is about the size of like personnel carrier, like type. Yeah. Right. Type or like craft. a big supply ship stuff. Like does yeah. it carry like a ton of people? Yeah. And that one, obviously has pretty large engines on it that are apparently capable of leaving Earth's atmosphere. Then there's also another craft that's like smaller than a Cessna that has much smaller engines on it that are also capable of breaking Earth's gravity in order to leave the atmosphere. Right. Like they look like a like, you know how we have those jets that can take off like a helicopter? It's like that, but they're like, what if this could just fucking fly into space too? And you're like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like there's a whole set of things required to like have human life sustained in space. Like that's not required for an aircraft on like a terrestrial environment. So, well, and actually you, you bring up another good point too with that, uh, is that Elysium features a method of keeping atmosphere within their like ring structured world. I assume that like, like every other fucking movie ever, the the it's ring structured so that they they can claim that it's spinning and they're simulating environment through centrifugal force. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, but they have like what look like uh, um, sort of the the curved dome things that you see on some of uh, uh, some major like football and baseball stadiums with sort of like a glowing aura around it that somehow just encases everything below it in atmosphere even though the top of it is completely open and people can just go down and land on it yeah it is very like there's no airlock system like it's just like we have our own atmosphere now (laughs) and and this falls in again with like one of these things where like the movie has it but they don't explain it and that's probably for the better because if they tried to tell me how they created an atmosphere on something of that size without like one of the reasons that planets have atmosphere is because they have massive gravity but it's because of their mass right like in general the larger a thing is or the more dense it is the more gravitational pull it has the larger the atmosphere is this thing only has gravity because it's spinning so they have to have some other method of keeping the atmosphere contained over top of this thing and it 
by all visual inspection makes absolutely no sense to me. So, well, so obviously one of the first things that you'll think of whenever you see it is like, is Halo, mm-hmm, right? For sure. Like if you've played any Halo game, which also I thought the music, yes, is beautiful. Um, keep going while I talk about it. Um, dude, but also the, the ship that, that, um, the ship that South African man flies in, it's obviously a pelican. They're like pelicans, right? That and actually looks exactly the, like a pelican. Because the pelicans Halo, yeah. are yeah. also like supposed to be able to leave the atmosphere. Yep. Right? True. So, um, I thought that was interesting, but, but anyway, it looks like a halo, but it's also like, this idea has been around since like the mid seventies oh and it's God. all, it's called the Stanford Taurus ring there's also three halo players in this game because they're running around being huge assholes to everyone <laughs> wow <laughs> we got a real wait do you, do you mean the drones like the no uh, i mean the, the i mean or... the three mercenaries they're they're halo players oh yeah, yeah sure. he's being a real sure. master chief <laughs> nice fuck? very good Sorry, continue pace. <laughs> Very good. No, no, that's okay. That was that that was that was well deserved. I think that's Kenan's trying um, to like make fun of of Halo players right now because he knows that I play Halo, but yeah. I'm just not going to give in. Okay, that's pretty fine. I'm going to be funny. the Cortana I mean, in this situation and just take the high road. You know, I mean, you should give in most of the players. I mean, it's do. not it's not that your fault that you like FPSs. I mean, not everyone can be can like good games. So that's true. Mm. I mean, so mm. <laughs> um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so this this idea of a Stanford Taurus ring was like it was developed at like this NASA summer study conducted at Stanford University. Mm-hmm. And they were just like exploring the ideas of what a space colony would look like. So this like one idea was the Stanford Taurus ring, which is like one of the most like permeating uh, or mo- one of those prevalent ideas of a space colony. Mm-hmm. And supposedly it's supposed to be able to fit between 10,000 and 140,000 permanent residents. I don't know how many people live on Elysium, but wow. it's probably around that much. Um, and it's supposed to like get sunlight through a system of mirrors was the original design. Oh yeah. It's a yeah, series yeah, yeah. of tubes um, that direct the sunlight. Yes. You're a series of tubes uh, that they also pass information through. Um, and so, th- but like the important thing that I think we should talk about is like what it would take to build it. So like whenever they were originally designing this thing, supposedly what they were going to do is harvest materials from like the moon Mm-hmm and other asteroids to build it. Um, and then you'd also catch, you'd also have to like, uh, you, you would have to rotate, rotate it like apparently once per minute to get about one G like, like the one, one gravitational force. Yeah, You need like keep people a healthy. lot of fucking speed to get oh, that yeah. thing going. Yes. Oh yeah, for sure. Yes. So, so you would obviously need like a appropriate energy system for it to be able to maintain that. Um, and so one of the things I also thought about though, you have to, we talk about this for every fucking space thing we do, but you have to have a way to block the radiation, right? Yeah. 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 And and as we discussed, the opening of this or the, the top of this is open. Like the sky is exposed. It's exposed. But it's interesting. I was reading about this. Supposedly you could get, and, and this is like advocated by NASA. You can get a 14 foot like layer of water and surround and, and create not an atmosphere that way, but apparently fourteen a fourteen foot like layer of water is enough to block most radiation particles, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Um, but then again, maintaining that ar- around this space station, and then maybe rotating it with the station, or just keeping it stable while the st- station rotates. Oh, I don't know. It's I a like, cluster. In the movie, I feel like they convey it like it's an Earth's atmosphere. So like, presumably, yes. there's like ozone in there and shit. That but, like, but you could. I mean, and given 
Go ahead, Kenneth. I was going to say, you could also hand wave saying that, like, uh, radiation exposure with that, because literally in this movie, they say they can cure radiation exposure using their magic medical coffins. Yeah. Maybe it's a yeah, requisite part of living there is that you, you know, as you have to go in every get week. treated every week because you've been exposed to radiation the entire time. That's, that's, so that's, dumb. Dumb. that's dumb. That's dumb. The but, whole... I mean, they could also develop new technologies for maintaining an atmosphere on a space station mm-hmm. like that, which we can't, you know, who no, we can't speak to that. That's, you know, that's futuristic hand wavy things. But sure. it's something that they would have had to take into account. But I, I, the last thing I just want to mention about this is that, like, the money that was supposedly be required to to build it. Like, back then, they estimated that it was, in 1975, it would be about like $200 billion, which is like $850 billion today. And with that kind of money, why don't you just use it to make the earth habitable? I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's fair. a crazy idea. Pace, I, that's a um, crazy idea. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking bonkers. Why don't we just take the earth and push it somewhere else? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in the world that we currently live in, we can't even properly allocate funds to save people's lives. So... Uh... Oh, I don't want to talk about now it. Now that's sad. I don't. I do want to say you have like started a fucking firestorm in my brain about the ta- the Stanford Taurus because this was something that, as as you said, was proposed by NASA during a summer study. Uh, it was actually proposed in 1975, uh, which is interesting yes. because Larry Niven, the science fiction writer, published Ringworld in 1970, which has. It is basically the same idea as a Stanford Taurus, and I don't know enough about proposed NASA technology and this same like idea that Larry Niven proposed because Larry Niven's yeah. Ring World is literally Halo. Like it, it well, and it's I, the same thing. I think that the idea for so there's two ideas thing at, at play here. Like there, there's this, the idea of the Ring Space Station. That's one, but the idea of maintaining a centripetal force to maintain gravity, mm-hmm. that's much, much, much older than the idea of the ring space station. Sure. So I think that that idea might have facilitated the um, like people to think about how you would build a station around that idea, which, I mean, they're probably not the first pa- first people to, I don't think they were the first to come up with the idea of a ring space station. It's just, oh, no. the Stanford Taurus was like one of the f- like most integrally developed and, and, it, and the people have thought about it in the way of what it would require to build it, like, economically sure. and, and material resources you know is when it was more fully fleshed out but you're totally right i must just bring it up that. because it's it is an interesting cross-section and i know that like there's a lot of really funny things surrounding engineers complaining about Ringworld, uh including uh i don't remember who told me the story but i just found it again on our beloved wikipedia but um mm-hmm. uh in the mm-hmm. 1971 world con uh, which is like a science fiction convention. A year after Ringworld was published, a whole bunch of MIT students went and were chanting "The Ringworld is unstable" uh, at Larry Niven during a panel, <laughs> which is very fucking funny. That is like the nerdiest and douchiest thing I've <laughs> Dude, ever right? heard at the same right? time. Because They're the like... argument being is that it's too far away from the 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 sun that it's orbiting, the star that it's orbiting, so it's not technically in orbit, uh, which means it would eventually drift, crash into the sun, and the entire thing would disintegrate. Uh, wow nerd alert fucking love nerds i'm sorry nerds but listen speaking of i want one quick thing about the radiation because we do Mm -hmm. pick parts of the movie that have shitty science and call them out there's a scene where matt damon gets irradiated in like some giant you know irradiation room that's presumably just like lethal amounts of radiation to sterilize equipment or something Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And Matt Damon's just in this room when it goes off. And the scene, it looks like it's like hot in the room. Like the radiation starts going off and he's like screaming in pain. And there's like a big red light. And he like, it looks like he touches the wall and there's like a sizzling sound and stuff. And I just like, it, that's not how radiation works, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it certainly isn't. Like, it wouldn't be immediately painful, would it? I mean, you wouldn't even really know. I, I mean, I'm sure really... you would experience pain from nerve damage from the radiation. Yeah. But... So, well, that's what I was going to say is I think high doses of radiation, like very high doses of radiation can elicit pain. Like, basically, it, it is a sliding scale on what happens to you. Uh, because you you basically will like definitely get a sunburn. Uh, you'll get a sunburn, right? Like at low, uh, like the radiation is um, quantified in a unit called gray, and at like two grays or more of radiation, you'll get like kind of a sunburn. It's called radiodermatitis. Uh, but anywhere between like four and eight, you will start. Yeah, depending on how long a dose you can get uh like how bad the exposure is you can go from anywhere from like just general diarrhea dizziness and fever to dying from organ failure like matt damon is supposed to do in the movie right which which makes sense it's just also he didn't have a sunburn like i was like the outside of your body is also exposed to the radiation yeah yeah yeah, yeah, exactly i mean it's just a little weird way they portrayed it i mean i would assume that to a degree it is painful because like uh, well, here we can do this. Matt Damon would have had to have been exposed to anywhere between like, I, I like based on what I'm reading here, uh, about eight, like five to eight grays of radiation because patients who have been exposed to radiation within that region can die anywhere between like two days and two weeks after exposure. Um, but if he was exposed at really, okay. really high levels of radiation, I think that's where you would experience pain. Like 30 grays cause immediately neurological, immediate neurological damage, but you die in like minutes. Right, yeah. yeah. Like, Anywhere from minutes to 48 hours anyway. Like he obviously, as he's, once he goes home and shit, like he would be feeling very bad, but like in the yeah. chamber, he's like, ah, like screaming on the floor and you're like, okay. I, yeah, to, to your point, Sean, I don't, I don't think it would have been as instantaneous of an effect as, yes, as they right. depict it. In the film, where he literally, it for all int- for all intents and, intents and purposes, he's, he looks like he's on the f- he looks like he was he's on fire with everything except for the flames happening. Yeah, like he's on the ground, like r- like you know writhing. Uh, and that's so kind of what I'm getting at. Like not, if he was but... exposed to radiation yeah, high enough yeah. to the point where he was in physical pain, he would have died within like 24 hours, and he would have mm-hmm. been in pain the mm-hmm. entire mm-hmm. time. Yep. So yeah, no matter right. what magical yep. movie bullshit yep. drug they gave him, you know what. Yes. Speaking of magical movie bullshit drugs, mm-hmm. why don't we talk about some of the medical advancements on Elysium? <sighs> I don't. Because I know we have to. Don't we we don't want to, Kedden, really because don't. it's all magic. There's not a whole lot to say, really. I mean, I, so what? Well, well, the mm-hmm. first thing, he gets these pills. Right. He gets the pills, mm-hmm. right? Uh, uh, what my are they pearl. called again? My, They're, yeah, uh, my, my parole or miparole. My parole. It's, it's, it's high, highly potent. It will keep him, like, quote-unquote, or at least paraphrasing, like, you know, functioning normally for the five days yeah. that he has left. If he takes one with every meal. Um, and he's experiencing organ failure. Yeah. Uh, because the radiation is literally destroying his cells. So, how? Oh, it doesn't, how, 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 it doesn't how, actually how, do how, anything, how. Pace. 
Well, no, I know, but isn't the point that we're supposed to? Isn't the point that we kind of take this idea and we run with it? And it's like, oh, well, what I, okay. Are so we if you want to like hand wave here, like you're asking what my parole does. Mechanism yeah. of action. What do we think my parole does? I, I would assume that it's mostly stimulants. Yeah, I was assuming that it's mm-hmm. like pain relief mm-hmm. without the side effects of current pain relief medication. Yeah, like without the cognitive impairments and like dizzy drowsiness and stuff. Like just you don't you aren't experiencing pain from your organs failing so that you could still do stuff and then you die when your organs cease to function right right i want to talk about how there's a tiny wizard inside all of these magic boxes what does the <laughs> wizard do he heals people he takes the cancer You're a wizard, away. well Kenny. we all know that my magic is just science that we don't understand yet this is what happens when you graduate from hogwarts you go get inside a medical coffin in, on elysium <laughs> Yeah, that's a, the real human rights violation is that in yep. every one of these medical coffins, there's, there's a, just a fucking poor wizard that trapped just graduated wizard. school. <laughs> that's that's a huge like wizard rights violation, I would yeah, think. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. And every time someone muggles. gets in there, they're always like, uh, abracadabra, you don't have radiation poisoning yeah. anymore. Alakazam, your leukemia is gone. Wow, you uh-huh. guys are really stereotypical with how your spells sound. Okay, hold on. Sorry. Uh, cancerous Oweakus. <laughs> See, that's much better. Yeah. Healthiest Nowius. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. J- oh, wow. Uh, everyone, I'd like to welcome J.K. Rowling to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank when did you. she get here? All right. Anyway, yeah, I do want to talk about how um, literally every time a person climbs into one of these units, uh, and this varies from, uh, I think the woman at the beginning has like minor dermatitis, and she gets in and she's healed. Uh, at one point, uh, a young girl has several broken bones. She gets in and it says performing reconstruction. And then it goes all the way up to uh, our, our bad boy Krieger Kroger, who has been chasing uh, Matt Damon the entire time. He gets in and it reconstructs his entire face seemingly out of nothing. And then another child gets in who has leukemia and the screen says re-atomizing. Re-atomizing. Okay. All right. All right. Hold me back, Kenan. Okay. All right. Let me I'm gonna add him. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you. I'm gonna hold the back of your shirt while you spit some nasty science. This fucking at Matt Damon. guy's face is obliterated. Yeah, yeah, okay? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's destroyed, and not only is it destroyed, he is fucking dead. Okay, because there's <laughs> no way you would not lose just like massive amounts of blood right, right. from your face blowing up. Even though they yeah, say, "Oh, true. his brain's fine," they look at him and go, "His brain's fine," and stick him in the fucking machine. It's the <laughs> dumbest thing. Jodie Foster gets stabbed in the jugular vein and dies like instantly. She like she's like laying on the ground, just like, uh, uh, and then dies, and that's it. And it and then literally a thing pops up and says, "Citizen deceased." This guy yeah, should. His face blew up in a plane crash, and like, I don't know, like a couple thirty minutes later, later, they drag him into a fucking medical thing. They're like, "Oh, he's fine. Just fucking turn his turn the machine on. He's good to go." I mean, clearly, Charlotte Copley is a lot more robust than Jodie Foster. I would assume we're to believe here. Clearly, apparently, his indestructible is the dumbest shit ever. Yeah. But now that we've done that, <laughs> oh, that's the dumbest shit ever. I want. Do you guys have any theories? Yes. On how these things could work? Yes. I do not want to go first though, because I don't have a lot of anything to back mine up. <laughs> okay, I will go with my theory then. Okay. Okay. Unless please Pace tell us what you one. think, Sean. No, please go. Have you guys seen Star Trek? Uh, yeah, Luke Skywalker. Which, saves which the, Star Trek? Uh, I've seen it, all the only good ones are the ones with Chris Pine. I've seen those. That's what okay. You're talking well, about, right? you've seen yeah. ones where they use teleporters, Hayden right? Christensen. 
Yes. Yes. Where they like fucking beam down to places. Beam me down, Scotty. Right. And the whole beam me like, real good. Listen, I'm gonna get schooled right. by a bunch of Star Trek nerds, but as far as <laughs> I understand, is the way those work is you essentially convert your atoms into energy, and then you are reanima atomized in the exact same configuration in a new location. I so the whole idea like is that. that like you literally are atomically disassembled, and then from the atoms in the new environment you are reassembled does that make sense yeah yeah no it totally does how does that make sense no because then you'd be a you'd be a clone that's fucking cloning well that's literally the whole thing is that you're not actually the same person each time so how are your memories and because everything all of your molecules are exactly reconfigured in the exact same location they used to be well so then you are the same person right but you're just like physically made of different molecules which is what happens to your body over time anyways right like you yeah i mean the only part that's really yourself is like your brain right that's right so so. that's sort of the theory behind the teleporters and if you were able to use the same i mean this is obviously complete science fiction and like doesn't actually work this way but if you had an initial pattern of what yes. the healthy individual person looked like yes. or their cells were organized in or their atoms were organized in prior to any health abnormalities, you could, in theory, if you had this device, reconstruct it back in its initial location. I am ready to bullshit with you on this. So these magic medical boxes utilize the same technology, but what the users have to do is frequently or after every healing they have to give the machine basically an accurate map of how they are at that moment because otherwise like if you went say like 20 years without injuring yourself and you got into the machine it would need a previous version of you to be able to fix you because the you that is in there is currently broken so it needs an, an original map to build it rebuild everything from and that is basically like, yeah, that's the theory of how the teleporters work, right? Like it reads your atomic structure and then reconstitutes you in a different location. Mm-hmm. And so this should be the same, but yeah, you would need an initial reference. Well, Pace, right? what do you so, and Pace, what do you think of that? Here's well, here's the problem with that though, is that Well, it doesn't uh, it's not real. Yeah, but. that's the big problem. <laughs> no, no, no. I, this is following your line of thinking. Okay. You're what you've con- what you've constructed. Right. Here. The horse shit we're giving this movie. Yes. yes. If you follow that line of thinking, then the um, Matt Damon's romantic interest, she has a daughter who has uh, leukemia, and she had not been a citizen of Elysium. Yes. She'd never been in a med bay before. Yes. The med bay didn't have any accurate representation of what her healthy body looked like, so that, so how would it have cured her? I, no, well, I agree with you, and that's what I was going to bring up next. I'm assuming it's extrapolating from some sort of collective data on oh oh human yes cell big structure. data oh yeah big but data. you know that works. what I think is even more gonna blow a hole in this entire thing is if you revert someone back to a form they were healthy before they developed something like cancer then unless you are keeping them fixed at a point in time if the cancer spontaneously happened in their cells before. And like you revert them five minutes back, why would it not happen again? You know? Mm, Yeah, that's a good point. Oh, also, uh, if this machine is able to completely rebuild somebody from available atoms, uh, I could just feed it a perfectly healthy version of me when I was 25, get to 60, and then climb the fuck in there, uh, and then just be fucking 25 again. Yeah, just completely restore your body to its its Or, you know, even crazier, you could get your face blown off and have it reconstructed. (laughs) Yeah, like that would be even more bonkers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Oh, I, it would be less bonkers if they were like, oh, yeah, we just are always 25 because we have these machines. Then right. if they were like, oh, yeah, if our head explodes, we just make a new one. Well, now I like, fucking want like a, a new version of Elysium where instead of everybody being French and drinking Chardonnay, uh, that whole <laughs> f- the whole fucking space station Which people don't drink Chardonnay. is just like blood sport. Like these people just beat each other to death and then climb into these <laughs> fucking machines because they can. Yes. Like that would it's be just amazing. like fucking Mad Max or something. That's what I want. Yeah. Like... yeah. <laughs> so we have Mad Max on the fancy space station while everyone down below is like actually just sort of normal. That'd be a much better, much better movie than this. Um, but I think we need to, I think we need to wrap this shit up though. Um, oh, I do want to real quick uh, in 30 seconds, tell you what I think the machine does. And the answer is nanobots. Nanobots. Yeah, yeah gonna, I mean, I guess that's possible, I'm just right? Say What's na- that, Kenan? Can you explain? No, nanobots? not in the like two minutes, maybe one minute we have left for this section. But we can talk about nanobots okay, in a different movie because I fucking guarantee right. you it will show up in another movie we watch. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah, yeah, yeah. Do they also bring people back from the dead, Kenan? Uh, well, we already did Reanimator, Sean. So you already know that's possible. You son of a bitch. Dude, oh yeah, was, was that nanobots and Reanimator? No, that was a serum. Uh, do you Wait guys, a second. Do you guys want was to rate a serum this bad made boy? of nanobots? Wait, oh, oh. Okay. Hot damn. Looks like it's time for the ratings, I guess Sean. it's time for the ratings. We're here in the ratings it's now. time for the ratings, Sean. I do, I do like that I can use the rap siren to just like interrupt whatever we're talking about and take us directly. Yeah, yeah no, it's sure. I love it. I fucking love it. <laughs> yeah, he does. Do you want to go first, Sean, since you were interrupted? Yeah, Sean. Please Fine. go first. I think the science in this movie is fucking hot shit. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a, I'm gonna give it a zero out of ten. Wait, hot shit means good, so this is cold shit. This is a no, cold turn. Hot think... garbage. Oh, okay. Hot garbage. Hot garbage or cold yes, poop. Yes. It's bad shit. It's ew. God. <laughs> Why does that sound so much worse? Cold poop. This actually sounds a lot worse. Because <laughs> it's naturally it's warm, oh. whereas garbage is naturally cold. So because, you revert like, them to their is opposite also state. Also, an expletive that just like can be extreme or like something. Right. But when you say poop, you're just saying poop. Like, <laughs> mm, like well, poop. Now, when I think something's really good, instead of saying this is hot shit, I'm going to say this is hot poop. This like, is hot this, poop. Like, it sounds like you're censoring yourself, but I, I would argue that it's like sonically it's a worse. lot worse to hear that. It's so worse. <laughs> I don't know. That's just uh, me. Mom, this pizza's hot poop. Oh, God. Like, I don't want to eat that pizza now. <laughs> sorry. Continue. All right. Okay. Sorry. Um, I'm. I know that like we've talked about some stuff about the way the movie's portrayed and stuff like that, but since this movie has actual science fiction shit and it's all the whole premise is just complete nonsense, I'm yeah. actually giving it I'm giving it a one out of ten. I'm giving it a one out of ten. I think it's really bad. Yeah, I agree. They just don't go into a lot of the stuff. Like they have brain implants and shit, but like they don't talk about it and like they're stealing yeah. files from each other's brains and they can magically heal all their illnesses. It's really weird. Uh, one out of ten. Um, I'm gonna give the entertainment of the movie like a seven out of ten. I think. I think because it's not bad. Like it's a it's no, a it's good, good action movie. It's a good like, movie. It's a good action movie. It's just if you take too long to think about the plot, you're like, oh, okay, mm. what's happening? But I mean, it's a lot of action, and you know, it's exciting, and there's a good ending. So I'm giving seven out of ten. All right. Pace, Pace, you go next. I am going to give the science in the movie a... Um, I'm going to give it a two out of five. Mm, generous. Um, I that mean, it, it, what we, 
it is it is it is generous a, a three out of ten is probably more appropriate but i mean i think the only the primary area where i'll, where I'll kind of give them uh credit here is just the extent to which they have portrayed the stanford um stanford taurus ring hmm. i mean it's it's you know it's it's fairly well established in in, in kind of like in scientific lore I, I you know like they could have picked something even more ridiculous and I, you know, I guess they kind of get the basic premise for for maybe what they would have needed to do to make the exosuit work a little bit, but no, you know, maybe just a one out of five. It was pretty bad. There we go. Uh, we we talked about all the shitty science in this movie. We don't really, I don't have to recount it for you. Uh, a lot of space things that we normally have to deal with, mm-hmm. but uh, for the overall entertainment factor, um, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a. a um, yeah, a seven out of ten sounds good, Sean. I think it sounds very good. I think that it's not. It's. I liked it because it wasn't too long. Didn't try to draw out the ideas that they had presented. And I think that it moves from scene to scene in a good pace. And you know, it it, it kept my. I have really serious bad um, attention deficit disorder when it comes to watching movies. And uh, I was able to get through this one without getting bored, which is not the case for about. 80% of the films that we do. I want to stop watching some of the films we do most of the time. I did not want to stop watching this. Good. Um, so I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I, I think that they took a lot of fun science fiction ideas and took them to fun places to watch. So Good. I like that. That's good. I'm going to be really brief. There was a lot of science in this movie and none of it was talked about, like Sean said. Uh, most of them were just science fiction uh, concepts. So the science gets a one out of five for me. But so this movie starts out what I think is pretty strong. Matt Damon is a frustrating character, but I get why he's there. He does a an okay job of portraying the type of character I know they were trying to portray. Like Matt Damon does not visually or like while acting come off as selfish. So it was a little hard to believe. I thought the ending was a little ridiculous. Uh, it bordered on uh, the ending of Gladiator Ridiculous near the end of it. I like standard science fiction a lot, so I'm actually going to give the entertainment a four out of five. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. it's good standard yeah, it's science definitely, fiction I'm, film. I, I had seen it before, too, and I remember being like, yeah, that was a good movie, yeah. but like, I never, it never occurred to me to like, oh, let's watch Elysium again, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. same right. Same. Me too. Um, me too. I The camera work was really fucking frustrating. Otherwise, it would have gotten a... A five out of five for me, um, but the cinematography really? at times was uh, it was hot poop, guys. Uh, it's not not what I wanted. Sorry, it's cold poop. I did think some of the motivations of Jodie Foster's character were a little like rushed plot wise. Oh, like it was like ham fisted for sure. Yeah, like that that kind of felt like it was like okay, we just need to advance the plot. Yeah. Go, <laughs> she's evil. Move, move. She's evil. Okay, go, yeah, go, go. Right, exactly. <laughs> You're like, you know her. She's Jodie Foster. She's evil. <laughs> like, Whoa, okay. <laughs> Should have sent a poet. Fine. Move, move, move. Do we have any questions this week? I think the answer is no. We got one from Boogs, which I can read. Do you always ask me that? Like, I fucking know what's going on. Yeah, that's fair. Um, We we did not get any questions. Yeah, I think we did a bad really, job of campaigning for questions uh, in between, like, all of the travel and everything else that was been going on. Uh, yeah. Boogs yeah. did ask us a single question. I do want to credit him for him. He said, but. Um, that's, that's. Is that a question? Well, I think we can answer it. Uh, there were a lot of butts in this movie. I think we talked a lot about butts yeah, in the actually, beginning of this episode. <laughs> in a way, like covered Boogs' question already. So you're welcome. It's Boogs. true. I think we definitely covered it maybe maybe even twice in the same human. We will try um, and do a better job of campaigning for questions in the future. Elysium is not really a deep well for our listeners to dive into and, and come up with anything useful. I will say the next episode, which we're going to announce officially in a second here, has a decent number of questions answered. 
But if you want to get us questions, uh, hit us up either like on any of our personal social media, which you can find reasonably easily. I'm at LOL Kennan. Uh, but you can also hit us up on our podcast social media at Real Science Cast on Twitter. Uh, also on Instagram, we're Real Science Cast on Facebook. And we are the other one that I've forgotten because my brain just left my body. Instagram? No. No, he said he said Instagram. Did you say our email, realsciencecast at gmail? Yeah, the way old people send things, realsciencecast at gmail dot com. No, we like to get we like to get emails. We do. Yeah, it's also our. And we do also. If you have movie suggestions, so we're gonna take the suggestions from our patrons first, just because that is part of the deal for them subscribing to our Patreon. Uh, but if you aren't a patron for whatever reason and you have movie suggestions, you know, feel free to contact us at our email. Or, you know, post on any of the social media outlets because we do pay attention to those. But it definitely helps to have, like, an excessive amount of suggestions because we're very forgetful. Mm. Um, But, yeah, again, I guess since I brought up the patrons, I should thank everybody who is a member of our Patreon. Thank you for your donations. And thank you to everybody who isn't that still listens to the show. We really appreciate everybody, you know, telling friends, listening to the show. It's very helpful and... You know, this show takes a lot of work out of our days and we really enjoy doing it. And we're glad that other people enjoy it, too. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and I, I will say, too, actually, uh, if you if you want to support the show, uh, definitely hop on Patreon and find us on there. We're obviously at Real Science Cast. Uh, we have talked about recently actually just go ahead going ahead to record some of our like other ideas for small weekly, biweekly, bi- uh, monthly or monthly uh, content for future patrons to listen to so it's definitely something that we've been mulling over for a while but i think might want to make moves on just to see how we feel about some of it so uh if you can go check us out give us some support and we'll try and just crank out more entertainment for you you know talking about buttholes and matt damon and stuff great (laughs) i had to get one more. give the people what they want Give the people what they want (laughs) buttholes and matt damon (laughs) wow all right i I know that's what i want (laughs) I think I mm, thought so. Yummy. I think that's all the actual content we have uh other than butts for this week. So uh do we want to announce what uh what our next episode is going to be? Yes. Yes. Do it, Kenneth. Right. Tell them. So, I have found uh a key component to the lost episode and I think we're going to release Repo Man uh for our next episode. So uh send us questions if you want. We won't answer them because we've already recorded the content. Uh, we we will answer them. We'll answer them on a mailbag episode. So send us questions. That's correct. Like. Yes, and just for everybody, that is Repo Men, not Repo Man. Yes, sorry, as Repo just said. Men, starring <laughs> yes, Jude a lot of Law examples of this and film. Forrest Whitaker, and that'll be coming out next week. Uh, thank you to Otis McDonald for the use of our his song Third Eye Blimp <laughs> as the intro and outro of our podcast. Is there anything else? Uh, I think I think that's it, boys. I think we're done. All right. For sure. We did it. Uh, my name's Kenan Smith. My name is Sean Crossan. I'm Michael Pace. Get drunk, do science. You don't need good science for a week. to make a good movie. But it sure makes it have two buttholes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's as good an ending as any. <laughs> and that's a wrap. We'd also be in extreme pain.
pain the whole fucking time. So much pain. He has bolts screwed so into his pain. body and he's punching people. Like he would be in yeah. such pain. And he's getting hit against the wall. Yes. With a suit yes. in. His bones would break. All right. His bones would break. <laughs> you sound like a giant. <laughs> I will eat your bones, Matt Damon. <laughs> your bones will break. I will soak them, suck the marrow out of yours. Damon, your bones are mine. <laughs> Damon, Damon, your death has arrived, Damon. All right. I am the Nightman here to present. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. man, I want right. to see Matt Damon fighting a Cyclops now. Yep, that sounds about right. 